Today is November 29th, 2023, and this is Read Through the New Testament. And we're saying greetings to everyone, and to those Hi, in Nepal, everyone. we are saying Jamesy. Jamesy. Welcome. Glad you joined us for reading today. Today we're going to read um, half of Mark chapter 9, and then 1 Corinthians 12. So we're beginning with Mark chapter 9, and verse 1. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. That's a verse that confuses many people because they think about the disciples there and how do they see the kingdom of God. And in every instance, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, what follows that statement comes the transfiguration. So I think in some sense the transfiguration is seeing the kingdom of God as has come with power. And some of them saw it, Peter, James, and John, which we see in verse 2. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. Verse 9. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen, until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. It's like he slipped in another little yep. prediction there. Yeah, in fact, that you often say that's your yes. second prediction, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, I do. It's not uh, quite like the other <laughs> predictions we looked at in class today. Right. Eight thirty-one, nine thirty-one, and, and ten thirty-three. But you call this the second one. That's okay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of slid in there. Yep. Okay. Verse ten. Maybe we call it one and a half. Uh, two and uh, a half. That's, that's fair. Okay. Verse ten. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. See, they paid attention. They heard it. (laughs) They did, but they didn't understand. (laughs) And they asked him, why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written that the son of man How is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. Probably talking about John the Baptist who came in the spirit and power of Elijah. And when they came to the disciples, that is down the mountain, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? 
bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it is often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. It's a great prayer to pray. Mm-hmm. Just shows a heart of belief, but it shows just a difficulty in, in believing. It's a prayer all of us ought to pray. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mutant deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entreated the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Okay, so half a summary. We've got the transfiguration. Transfiguration, just one word is huge. Yep. And then the boy with the demon. Yeah. And discussion about unbelief. Yep. Yep. Okay. But I think think healing the boy that the disciples couldn't heal. Yeah. Jesus yeah, doing what the disciples couldn't do. And the lesson is, doesn't come up by anything but by prayer. Mm-hmm. How important prayer is. And that's unique compared to other times that demons were cast out. Yep. Okay, so that's a partial summary. We still have the rest of chapter 9 tomorrow. Yep. Okay, we're talking uh, next about uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's your turn to read. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. We're First Corinthians chapter 11. Oh, oops. That's okay. I just went right along with it. <laughs> no, you didn't. Okay, you'll edit that, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead, chapter oh, 11. Boy. Okay. All right, First Corinthians 11, <laughs> verse 1. Um, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Verse 2. Now, I commend you because... You remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ and the head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought to cover his head. Ought not. Uh, Sorry, I have a page turn. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But... Woman is the glory of man. For a man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, 
nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him, but if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. And that's one of the most Ooh, confusing, confusing passages in, in all of First Corinthians. And as I have read and studied this, most theologians kind of throw up their hands and say, I have no idea what this means. Because hmm. the head coverings can mean, you know, like the Arabs. That's what you yeah. should picture. You should picture they the Arabs wear head coverings. with their hijabs. Uh, they wear head coverings. Or some people say, oh, no, the head covering is the hair, since it's talking about cutting hair short. And um, But the principle is that there's some sort of symbol of authority. And I think that in our society, like, we don't have head coverings that symbolize, like, a wife's submission and love to a husband. We don't have mm. that. Maybe a, Maybe wedding, a wedding ring? ring? Yeah. Could be. <laughs> so it's just it's just difficult. But it deals with head coverings and, and marriage and wife's and authority. So it'd be good to summary with that. And now we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper, how they were abusing the Lord's Supper. Verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in I believe it in part. In fact, that goes back to chapter 1 and chapter yeah. 4. Uh, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, is it not the Lord's Supper that you eat? For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. All right, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This, is the, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this and as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. All right, so really two big things, right? The one's about head coverings, and the second is instructions about the Lord's, Lord's Supper. Supper. Rebu rebukes even about the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. All right, we will see you guys tomorrow. Okay, bye-bye.